WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The City of St. Joseph Parks Board is a step closer to recommending a new master plan for Tiscornia Park. But public opposition remains high. More from WSJM's Ken Lundberg. The first master plan draft came with a slew of recommendations that citizens say threaten the character of the park and would take away from Tiscornia's rustic charm. Since January, several park proposals have fallen away, due largely to public input. No longer in the plan, a children's playground, a nature trail, and a new and large gathering pavilion. Parks Board member Nancy Buckleitner on the pavilion. We are saying don't move the pavilion, don't change the size. But there are still other pieces drawing fire. Parking lot expansion, a new maintenance shed, a trash storage area, and additional signage. Longtime area resident Jim Jeske. They should just listen to what the people say and fix what's absolutely necessary and let everything go, just like it is. Jeske expressed frustration at the Parks Board. He pledged to follow the matter to the City Commission and hopes they'll ultimately reject the plan. The Parks Board is expected to vote on their final recommendation September 14. The City expected to take it up as early as the 25th. Ken Lundberg, WSJM News. The outcry last week by Berrien County Court Clerks to the Berrien County Board of Commissioners about wages appears to have made a difference. Speaking at a meeting today, Commissioner Bob Harrison said the Personnel Committee has been considering the issue. We had a discussion regarding the court clerk wages, and we met with our administrator, talked through some process issues, some efforts to gather some data, and so we've got that under study for consideration by the board at a later date. At last Thursday's commission meeting, about 20 court clerks spoke out about low wages and a lack of staff. They said they're making fast food level wages while being expected to approach their jobs as careers. Berrien County Clerk Sharon Tyler supported them, saying her office is struggling with a staff shortage. Commissioners at the time expressed an intent to correct the issue. The county did a wage study in 2020 that led to some pay increases for staff in 2022, but it did not include the court clerks. Harrison said the committee is studying the issue. Who else would be at the Berrien County Youth Fair next week but representatives of Berrien County? Speaking to commissioners today, Berrien County Administrator Brian DeSette said multiple departments will have booths set up to spread the word about what they do and maybe recruit some help. The sheriff's office has a really active presence. The health department will be present. They've got brochures and handouts. Road department puts on a very large display. DeSette noted the road department last year was able to find new employees by being stationed at the fair. He said during the peak of its staffing challenges, it found five equipment operators just at the fair. The Berrien County Youth Fair starts Monday and will run through Sunday. A new mural is close to completion in Benton Harbor, this time on the side of Rabitron at 276 Colfax Avenue. Owner David Ravitch tells us he'd been thinking for years about having a mural painted on the side of his building, so he started having conversations with others about what it could be. We brought in two artists, Eric Bradford and Jessica Hightower, and we gave them a couple underlying ideas. We wanted it to promote technology. We wanted it to promote minorities and women in technology and Benton Harbor spirit. Ravitch says that the two artists are now putting the finishing touches on the mural on the north side of the building. It's a 90-foot wall, and he says they've been working for about four months. The mural depicts images from Benton Harbor and what Ravage calls hidden figures in technology. One goal is to get more people visiting downtown Benton Harbor by making a walking tour of its murals possible. So if you come downtown, you can look at one mural. There's a QR code. You click on it, and you're brought to this website with a walking tour of all the public murals downtown Benton Harbor. 
Young artists from the Boys and Girls Club of Southwest Michigan's Benton Harbor campus also helped to paint the mural. Ravage is planning an unveiling and celebration on August 24th from 4 to 6 p.m. The event will be hosted, co-hosted by the Southwest Michigan Regional Chamber. The city of South Haven will soon add a new wintertime gatherings place to Dykeman Park. Assistant City Manager Griffin Graham tells us it took a public fundraising campaign to collect the $115,000 needed to add an outdoor fireplace to the park. There will also be a walking path and benches for people to get together downtown. Parents whose kids are using our ice rink may decide that that's a good gathering space for them to sit while their kids skate. But other than our goal is for it to be a safe, welcoming gathering space in our downtown. Graham says Shout for South Haven was among the supporters of the project. More than 100 individuals donated to the effort, and the project also secured a matching grant from the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. This is a project that would not have been able to happen without the support we got from the community and fundraising for it. The city council has awarded the construction contract to Lawn Boys, and the plan is to start construction in September. Graham says there will be a ribbon-cutting and celebration of the new space before Thanksgiving. The Whirlpool Community Charity Golf Event, held August 6th and 7th, has raised $3 million for young people in Berrien County. Whirlpool says the event included rounds of golf on six courses in and around Berrien County with 864 participants. In addition to golf, attendees were able to take part in a fireside chat with Hall of Famers Hale Irwin and Jerome Bettis, as well as a silent auction and a live auction. In the 20 years of the event, more than $30 million has been raised for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Greater Southwest Michigan, as well as First Tee of Benton Harbor and the local public school foundations of Benton Harbor, Lakeshore, and St. Joseph. That's helped nearly 10,000 young people each year. Those organizations will share the $3 million raised in this year's event. Whirlpool Corporation Vice President of Corporate Relations and Sustainability Pam Klein says, quote, the programs enhanced with this funding make an incredible impact on the young people in Southwest Michigan. On display at InterCare's Benton Harbor Health Center today was a giant colon. The healthcare provider set up the 32-foot inflated colon to spread awareness about the importance of colonoscopies. InterCare Chief Medical Officer Lisa Fink told us uh, colon health is something that's sometimes overlooked. To be honest, not everybody runs to get their colonoscopies, so we understand that. So trying to take a different angle at it and get a little bit different perspective. The giant inflated colon contained information on conditions a colonoscopy could detect with examples of healthy and unhealthy tissue. Fink says it's recommended that everyone get a colonoscopy at the age of 45, then every 10 years after that. Sometimes they'll find polyps. Some polyps can turn into cancer, so they can remove those when they see them. And of course, if they biopsy a lesion that looks like cancer, they can also diagnose cancer. Fink says that a colonoscopy is the same as any other routine medical test everyone should get. She added colon cancer sometimes doesn't come with symptoms, so a colonoscopy is the gold standard for detecting trouble. The walkthrough colon exhibit was part of InterCare Community Health Network's celebration of National Health Center Week. And coming to Buchanan this month will be author and journalist Alex Kodlowitz, the writer of The Other Side of the River. He'll be uh, speaking on August 30th to mark the 25th anniversary of the book's publication. The Buchanan District Library says his visit comes as part of the third annual One Book, One Buchanan event, a community-wide reading program that asks participants to read a specially selected book over the summer and then meet for discussion. The program is a partnership between the Buchanan District Library and One Buchanan, and free copies of the books are given out each year for participants to keep. Kolowitz will speak at the Buchanan Common at 122 Days Avenue at 6 p.m. on the 30th. The community will have the opportunity to discuss the book in groups and be part of a conversation with him, led by Buchanan Community School Superintendent Patricia Robinson. 
The Other Side of the River examines racial differences between Benton Harbor and St. Joseph. WSJM at News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. President Biden has approved a federal disaster declaration for Hawaii after devastating wildfires. ABC's Jay O'Brien has more from the White House. Our prayers with the people of Hawaii, but not just our prayers. Every asset we have will be available to them. The president saying the disaster declaration will free up federal funds and resources for the devastated people of Hawaii. I've ordered all available federal assets on the island, including the U.S. Coast Guard, the Navy Third Fleet, and the U.S. Army to assist local emergency response crews. President Biden also saying he spoke with Hawaii's governor Thursday morning and the FEMA administrator will be on the ground in Maui tomorrow. Jay O'Brien, ABC News, the White House. The search of the wildfire wreckage on the Hawaiian island of Maui is revealing a wasteland of burned-out homes and obliterated communities as firefighters battle the stubborn blaze that's already claimed 36 lives and makes it the deadliest wildfire in the U.S. in recent years. Fueled by a dry summer and strong winds from a passing hurricane, the fire started Tuesday and took the island by surprise, racing through parched growth in neighborhoods and tourist areas. Maui County said late Wednesday at least 36 people have died, but that figure could rise as rescuers reach parts of the island today that had been unreachable. Ukrainian authorities have ordered a mandatory evacuation of nearly 12,000 civilians from 37 towns and villages in one district of Ukraine's eastern Kharkiv region. That's where Russian forces reportedly are making a concerted effort to punch through the front line. The local military administration described today's evacuation order as mandatory, but said people could stay if they signed a document stating they would do so at their own risk. The Ukrainian deputy defense minister said the previous day that, quote, the intensity of combat and enemy shelling is high in that area. As Ukraine has pursued a slow-moving counteroffensive in recent weeks, Russian forces have struck back in some areas. It's a rare move from Iran as five Americans have been put under house arrest and will eventually be freed. Four of them, who are Iranian-American, were freed from the maximum security, even prison. And maybe sees a chief global news affairs correspondent, Martha Raditz, read a statement from the family of one of the Americans. I can read you a statement from CMAC's family. He said, we are grateful that CMAC and the other Americans in Iran are out of Evan prison and will be under house arrest. While this is a positive change, we will not rest until CMAC and the others are back home. We continue to count the days until this can happen. We have suffered tremendously and indescribably for eight horrific years and wish only to be reunited again as a family. The Biden administration is asking Congress to provide more than $13 billion in emergency defense aid to Ukraine and an additional $8 billion for humanitarian support through the end of the year. It's another massive infusion of cash as the Russian invasion wears on and Ukraine pushes a counteroffensive against the Kremlin's deeply entrenched forces. The requested package also includes $12 billion to replenish the U.S. federal disaster funds at home after a deadly climate season of heat and storms and of funds to bolster enforcement of the southern border with Mexico. The overall price tag of $40 billion may be too much for Republicans who are fighting to slash and not raise federal outlays. A West Virginia man was arrested today for threatening the jurors and witnesses involved in the recent trial of the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter. More from ABC's Aaron Katursky. Hardy Carroll Lloyd calls himself reverend of a white supremacy movement and posted online that he openly advocates killing Jews and cops. Federal prosecutors said he engaged in threatening conduct directed at the jury and government witnesses in the trial of Robert Bowers, who was convicted and sentenced to death for killing 11 people at Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018. 
Court records said Lloyd threatened harm to the jurors and put, or had others put, white supremacy-themed stickers in Jewish neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. Federal prosecutors said the use of hateful threats in an effort to undermine a trial is especially troubling. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. And prosecutors with special counsel Jack Smith's legal team have asked the judge to set a January 2nd trial date for former President Donald Trump in the Washington case, charging him with plotting to overturn. If the judge agrees with the date prosecutors have proposed today, the case against Trump would open right before the anniversary of the January 6, 2021 riot at the Capitol, which was fueled by Trump's election lies. Defense attorneys have suggested they'll try slowing things down. Trump faces charges, including conspiracy to defraud the U.S., the Republican former president has pleaded not guilty. The GOP presidential primary frontrunner portrays the case against him as politically motivated. WSJM News now continues with your weather forecast. 